0: So it is good to be here. Um, For those of you who don't know me, uh, Monday to Friday, I'm normally sat in the little office next door. I'm the church administrator here, so I'm normally looking after the day-to-day running of things rather than being up here at the front. In the afternoons and evenings, uh, my wife and I work for WEC International worldwide, evangelisation for Christ. Uh, And our mission, our job, is recruiting people and preparing them for mission and it's it's wonderful just in the last fortnight we've sent a lovely couple in their probably late 40s early 50s out to Mozambique They're heading out there for two years to to serve the Lord uh, in the little town of Pemba and we praise God for that as long uh, uh, along with many others who are going out into, into mission so I'm not often here on a Sunday I'm way speaking elsewhere so it's, it's good to be here and to be able to share uh, God's word uh, with you over the last fortnight I've been really wrestling about what I should be preaching is Advent is a strange sort of time of year you have to sort of be talking about the Advent story in one way but then it's more than just a nice little Christmas story about a baby coming into the world. It's all about what God is doing. God fulfilling his plans and purposes, which he declared back in Genesis chapter 3. How he had a purpose for the world to crush the power of Satan and to bring glory to to himself, and what I see as I, I as I started to study and read the verse that uh, that sort of stood out to me was the last verse that Steve read to us. Mary said, "I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. I am the Lord's servant." The theme of being used by God or being the servant of God. Throughout history, as I gather you probably touched on a wee bit last week, God has been working and using things and people to, to, for, for his eternal purposes. He is the all sovereign God at times we look around us and we think wow the world is in chaos but behind the chaos god is still in control we go back to the old testament we see how god used things objects for his purposes to speak and to do his will i'm sure we all remember the story of the burning bush A little bush burning in the middle of the desert. But God used that to speak to his servant Moses. He used a cloud and a pillar of fire to guide his people. Later on, he used a wheel. Can you imagine? God using a wheel to bring his messenger to the people who he wanted to preach the gospel to. Isn't it incredible? Or how about a donkey? A prophet who was wanting to go against God's will, but yet God used a donkey to bring him to his senses. All things are under his control. We've been singing and Andy was referring to to God's sovereignty and we praise God for that. Even rebellious wicked kings and rulers are still under his control for performing, working to prepare God's way and God's purposes. And I find that is, is mind-blowing. It says in Luke chapter 2, in those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken over the entire Roman world. A wicked, godless king. In fact, you'd even say that these Caesars, they declared this, themselves as God but yet the Almighty was using these people to prepare the way for him. Back in Isaiah chapter 7, in that beautiful chapter of prophecy regarding the birth of Jesus through the Virgin, Isaiah prophesies that the king of Assyria will come and will invade and take over the people, the house of Israel. We read that, uh, how that was fulfilled in Second Kings chapter 17. God is working out his purposes. In AD 336 from northern Greece or southern Macedonia, there was a man rose up, the son of Philip, called Alexander, who later became known as Alexander the Great, the one who brought the the Greek language right across the then known world, spreading from northern Greece, east, west, north, south, bringing order, bringing discipline, bringing education, bringing the written language and a very wonderful and powerful language of that to the known world. So that whenever the gospel would come, it could be written and spread easily among, around the world. In AD, sorry, BC, sorry, did I say AD a moment ago? BC. <laughs> Get my A's and my B's bundled up. A, B and C. Anyway, in BC 27, God rose up the Roman Empire, which brought highways and order so that in due course, the gospel message was able to be spread quickly through these roads. God, as sovereign is using people who would deny his existence. Deny, in fact, using people who would claim themselves to be the God of their world. But yet God Almighty is in control. And here in these days that we read off in Luke chapter 1 and 2, Once again, God is using evil rulers to bring about his purposes. Would Mary and Joseph ever have travelled to Bethlehem without the decree from Caesar? God using this for his glory. The scriptures tell us in Romans 13... That everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which is established by God. The authorities remember: whenever Paul is writing this, the Romans are in charge. It was a godless authorities, but yet Paul says all authorities are established by God. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling rebelling against what God has instituted, instituted. For the one authority is God's. And they, these wicked rulers, God says, are his servants. They may not know it, but God is using them. 1 Peter tells us, submit yourselves therefore, for the Lord's sake, onto every human authority. Now, that's tough, isn't it? We think of over the last few years and the various rulers, whether it's in our own country, and I don't want to get into politics, or across the world, in china russia europe even the usa the bible says that god has put all these people in authority to accomplish his purposes we don't know those purposes but god is fulfilling his plan But isn't it so sad that these people who God is using, yet they're not partaking because they're not submitting to God's authority, are not receiving his blessing as he would want them to be. God is using all people. And then we come to Mary and Joseph, quite the opposite end of the extreme, isn't it? From those of all power... To those who were, dare I say, simple peasants, commoners, I guess in today's society we'd probably say they're the working class. People with nothing really, not much education, not much to offer the world. They're poor, it tells us later on in in Luke chapter 2 and verse 24. Whenever they had to come and give a, a sacrifice for the birth of Jesus, what did they do? They don't bring a lamb, they don't bring a heifer, they bring two little pigeons. Because that was the offering of people who had nothing. Those who were poor. They're from a small rural town. Nazareth, not even mentioned in the Old Testament. In fact, it was an area that was despised by most Jews. But yet, it was chosen by God. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul, the great Paul, writes, Brothers and sisters, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many wise by human standards. Not many influential. Not many of noble birth. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. But God chose the lowly things of the world. The things that were despised. Why? So that no flesh, no person would nullify his goodness, his grace, his love. We praise God for people like Mary and Joseph. What do we say? What was their characters? They love God. What does Mary say here in these verses? My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Here was a simple, lowly, humble virgin. Probably in our teens, who had a love and a passion for God. Friends, this morning, have you got a love and a passion for God? It tells us here that the mighty one has done great things for me. That was Mary's testimony. The mighty one, God Almighty, has done great things for me. Holy is his name can you testify to that this morning have you got that personal witness as you submit to god personally as got that he is your personal savior but not only that mary goes on to say that his mercy is for all those who fear him from generation The generation, Mary, she loved God. She knew God's salvation was for all. She knew God's grace and power was supreme. For he has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has stretched out, uh, uh, which he has stretched out um, to, to, to all. He's brought down the rulers and the thrones. And he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry With good things. He has sent away those who were rich, empty. He is the supreme, he is the sovereign. Mary acknowledges and knows, knows God as the Lord, her own personal Savior, the Lord of all, the one in whom she can trust. And therefore she submits totally and completely to him can you imagine a young virgin being being told you're going to be with child you're going to have a baby in those days you will today that means nothing in those days that was the biggest disgrace you could imagine but what did she say I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Total and complete submission to God. For me that's that's an incredible message. Friends, this morning, are we at that place in our lives? <coughs> Not only of acknowledging God as our Savior and as our Lord, as the sovereign King of Kings, but where we're willing to submit ourselves to Him and say, I am the Lord's servant. May his will be fulfilled in me. But it wasn't just Mary. Joseph as well. In Matthew's account, it tells us after the angel Gabriel had come to to, 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 to Joseph, it says when he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord Had commanded him to do. And took Mary home. As his wife. Again that's quite something. Remembering the context of the culture at the time. To take. As a wife. Somebody who was already pregnant. And not by you. Wow. But yet. Joseph was willing to submit to God and his sovereignty and his purposes. Are we willing to offer up our lives to him? Again, Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies... As a living sacrifice to him. Holy and pleasing. This is your true and acceptable worship. Mary literally offered and gave her body. Joseph submitted. And now God asks us. Are we also willing to submit to his authority, to his sovereignty, to his rule in our lives? Not just simply acknowledging acknowledging him as saviour, but submitting to him in every way. In Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's prayer says, let your will be done. Do we pray that for ourselves? Lord, may I do your will as I submit to you? The other side of the coin is, we read of it in in 1 Samuel, lack of submission to God's authority is idolatry, is rebellion, sin of witchcraft. Let me read it to you, One Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23. "For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness, as iniquity and idolatry." You see, whenever we do not submit to God's will, we are saying that we are above it. We are putting ourselves just like the Caesars did in the place of God, and saying that we know better, my life, my will, my purposes, are supersede the purposes of God. That's sobering, isn't it? So therefore we are commended, we're urged, because of God's mercy, because of His grace, because of His love, to submit ourselves humbly before his will and his authority. We go on and we read of the shepherds. Another group of humble, lowly peasants out in the fields looking after their flocks by night. We know the story, I won't read it. The angels come, they sing a beautiful chorus and and Gabriel announces the birth of Christ. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? If they leave, they're leaving their sheep at the peril of the the wolves and the bears, of the thieves and robbers. are they going to go and do as the angel said, what God had commanded them. God had brought salvation to the world in the form of Jesus, the Saviour, the Messiah, the one he was promised, the one who was the anointed one, the one who was the answer to their prayers. Were they now going to forsake everything to go and see him? They contemplated, but they went in obedience. They went, they witnessed, and they were blessed. But no, not only were they blessed, it says that they went out. And they witnessed to what they had seen and what they heard. In Luke chapter 2, it says these beautiful words. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. The first evangelists weren't in the book of Acts. They were here in Luke chapter 2. God had chosen these lowly shepherds to bring the good news of Jesus to the people around about them. Friends, this morning, are we willing... To submit to God's will and purpose. God is performing his will. He is accomplishing what he has planned. We've got two choices. Either we can submit to him and be part of the blessing. Or else God, he will carry on even using us in our rebellion against him. To perform his purposes. One thing we know for sure, God's purposes will be fulfilled. If we humbly, just as Mary did, as Joseph did, as Elizabeth and Zechariah did, as the shepherds did, as many, many others who we read throughout scriptures submitted to his will, then, then we can become part of the blessing, part of the answer, rather than being part of the problem. As we submit to God, we become Blessed. And we become a blessing to those around us therefore the scriptures tell us because of god's mercy because of his grace let us freely offer present ourselves back to god so that he can use us so that we can say with mary I am the Lord's servant. Lord, may your will be fulfilled in my life. Amen.